Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Teal Time with David Teal. I'm Jonathan Heater alongside David Teal. How are you? Good morning, I'm doing great. Hopefully uh, this will go better than the national championship game went for Alabama. <laughs> well, and, and hopefully it will go better than my podcast pick last week on the Virginia Tech or on the Virginia Florida State basketball game. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll you get a, a 50-50 on that because you picked Clemson to win. Yes, I did. And I called you an ACC homer. Yes. To which I apologize. <laughs> Quite all right. Regardless of whether or not you pick Clemson, there's no way in your mind that you could have ever foreseen what happened. Wow. I mean, it's the first time Nick Saban has ever been dominated like that, right? Since the first year he was there? You've never seen Nick Saban get run 30 to nothing to close a game. Yeah. And that's what happened. And early on, Jonathan, it was interesting. My wife and I are watching the game, and even when Clemson was ahead early, the way Tua and Bama were moving the ball, I told I don't. I don't like the feel of this game for Clemson. I don't know that they can stop them. And then they turn around and pitch a shutout for the final 45 minutes. Well, so when it was 14-14 or whatever. 14-13 because they missed the extra point. When it was at that point, I mean, we're bo- everybody's thinking, my gosh, this is going to be a show. Yeah. Even though we've watched football long enough to know it's going to regress some because there's not going to be – it's not going to be 70 to 70. No. But, Unless it's in the Big 12. Right. But we thought, I mean, I, I'm sure you thought the same. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. these defenses Another 45-40 game. Defenses aren't going to be able to keep up with these offenses. Yeah, sure And did. then Clemson, well, we'll get into, and you spoiled it with your column if you've, if you've read the paper. We'll get into Clemson's history and all the stuff in a little mm-hmm. while. Yeah. Um, but, but from day one, we talked about how that defense, how dominant that defense could be. And it ebbed and flowed throughout the regular season as they probably got bored in the ACC. But, man, these last two weeks in the playoff, holy cow. Dude, and they did it without Dexter Lawrence. I know. That gets lost in all this. That's an all-American defensive tackle that they just plugged another guy into. They hemmed up. It was weird to see the social media reaction about Tua Tungavailoa. Like, people, you know, calling, where's Jalen Hurts? Like, as if they forget what the kid did all season Season, long. I mean, he he was hurt in the SEC championship and didn't play well. And I thought he made a bad – actually, I don't even think he made that bad of a pass on the pick six. I think he was super surprised. And he got baited. Yeah. And he threw it into a window where there was just too many bodies. Mm-hmm. And then the deep ball, I mean, that, that happens. Yeah. I didn't punt. think he played terribly. No. I Clemson was just really good. They were, they were amazing. And I think Alabama got out coached. I think so, too. In a, in a big way. I mean, the fake punt. Fake, fake field goal, right? Or, or fake field goal, excuse me. I called it from my couch. I think most of America Chris, Chris Fowler c- did c- called it. Yeah, it was obvious, and Clemson knew it was coming. They were they they lined up in four down. Everything about that was terrible. One, he just watched Kirby Smart get crucified for a terrible fake punt call. Yeah, and why in any world would you have your kicker running as lead blocker? Yeah. on a fake. No, it was it against was crazy. that monster defensive line. No. He's lucky he didn't get his kicker killed. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, he was out coached. I thought Chris Fowler, who you know does a great job, had a really interesting stat at, early in the game that Nick Saban's had twenty coaches leave in his yes. tenure, and and uh, and Dabo's only lost three. Now I know mm-hmm. Saban's been there longer, but that's astonishing the level of continuity that staff has had. Yeah, I mean it R- starts really with is. Brett Venables. I mean he 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 lost Chad Morris his OC and turned over the play calling duties to Tony Elliott, uh, who along with Jeff Scott is our, our co-coordinators. And I had the good fortune this summer when I went up uh, to the NCAA forum for minority coaches to, to meet Tony Elliott and, and, and talk to him. And wow. I mean, I was just blown away by his personal story and by his presence and just, just by him. I mean, we didn't talk X's and O's. We talked bigger picture stuff. And I was thinking, wow, if this gentleman came into my living room to recruit my son, 
I sure would be impressed. And boy, what what they did on both sides of the football, and, and you mentioned Venables, and you know he had kind of worn out his welcome in Norman, and Dabo brought him to Clemson, and he's been gold standard since. And you know, much like, <clears throat> excuse me, when Frank Beamer was at Virginia Tech. Now I know that Virginia Tech wasn't winning national championships, but for years and years, a hallmark of that program was staff continuity. Those assistant coaches loved working for Frank Beamer. He worked them hard, but he worked him worked them fairly. And that's clearly how Dabo Sweeney operates at Clemson. And oh, by the way, Clemson pays him. Well, there's some of those guys like Mickey Andrews, who for years was Bobby Bowden's DC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you thought maybe he just didn't have the personality to be a coach. I don't, you've been around Bud Foster. I've never been around Bud Foster. I don't know how he projects as a head coach, but sometimes you have these guys who are perfectly content making good money and, and working with a guy they like. And that clearly seems to be the case with Brent Venables. He's making great money, mm-hmm. and clearly he is comfortable with his position at Clemson. He sure is, and Bud is, is interviewed for head coaching positions. I think there was quite a while where he aspired to lead his own program, and I know Tony Elliott does. Well, what every coach i don't know why tony elliott's not given a better shot because every coach at alabama is getting head coaching jobs jim yeah. mcelwain how did that work out um uh, mike loxley's going to to uh to maryland. maryland obviously people up there are excited but he wasn't very good at new mexico i know that it his, was terrible his home and his ability to recruit the area probably is going to play a lot better mm-hmm. uh up in up in college park than it did in new mexico but he he didn't win at new mexico Right, yeah. there are a lot of examples of Alabama guys who have gone to either head coaching jobs or, or, the, you know, in the situation of Steve Sarkeesian going to uh, to the NFL to to be an OC with the Atlanta Falcons and not doing so hot. Um, I mean, even Brent Key, who's their offensive line coach, was a candidate this year. Well, mentioned as a candidate for Georgia Tech. Meanwhile, Clemson, like outside of Chad Morris, who was who was considered to be kind of a, a wonder kid. When it comes to offensive football, like none of these guys are really, you don't see them really in the mix for other jobs. Well, you on the podcast back when the Georgia Tech job was open, you were trumpeting Tony Elliott for for that job, and it turns out he didn't he didn't even get a look. Yeah. Now, and maybe some of that is this the way the recruiting calendar works. Yes. Now. That you're punished for for being good, and and he may not be willing to to take another job until after the season. I don't know if that's the case, but he he did say publicly when they were out in California before the championship game. Wow, I'd have been really interested in that Georgia Tech job. Yep, and they hired. I mean, they hired a guy who had head coaching experience in Jeff and Collins jo- and, and who Georgia had spent Tech time at Georgia Tech. Yes. So I mean, it's hard to fault them for, for making mm-hmm. that call. Only time will tell whether or not it was a good hire. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's ridiculous that Tony Elliott, especially considering the minority coaching problem that's in college football, yeah. why he isn't getting more of a look. And maybe he is a victim of, of Clemson's success. Um, but I, I think what that offense did, even more maybe impressively last year, um, where they didn't have a blue-chip quarterback and still were pretty unstoppable for most of the year, I, I think – I think he should be getting looks. Yeah, no, he – and they were – wow, that offense the other day. Well, my ego wants me to put in the clip from National Signing Day last year when we talked about Trevor Lawrence. Right. Well, I'm and, not going to insert it, but <laughs> I'm telling you, there are I've, – I've watched a lot of Georgia high school football and seen a lot of great quarterbacks, Nick Marshall and Jake Fromm and, I mean, Heisman Trophy uh, finalists and – I only uh, Deshaun Watson. I only saw Lawrence play early in his career, but all the talk was that he's the best to ever come out in Georgia. And he's and just and he wasn't even the top quarterback in Georgia according to most services. It was Justin Fields. Wow. Now he he was amazing, and his receivers helped him a lot. I mean, Justin Ross. I'm not sure he wasn't the MVP. Uh, I'd still say Trevor Lawrence, but yeah, I mean that touchdown. They're they're 
the he hit him in stride on the mm. deep ball too. Actually, he threw a great deep ball for their first t- first touchdown. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if the NFL draft, if he was eligible, he'd be the number one overall pick. Trevor. Yes. Yeah. Six six. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that release and that powerful, strong of an arm, absolutely, he'd be the number one pick. Yeah. Uh, and we've got two more years of him. Unless we, he decides to go play in one of the new leagues, yeah. if they make you know younger kids eligible, and Justin Ross is only a true freshman, and Etn is only a sophomore, and T Higgins is only a sophomore, that's Lawrence is. I mean, what he's done, and I mean, if you look at the last few national championship games, true freshmen have made a big impact. Last year, you had Jake Fromm starting. Um, and Tua coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you've had there have been key freshmen playing in national championship games for for a while now, um, I, but Lawrence has a chance if he stays healthy to be one of the best we've ever seen, mm-hmm. especially in the ACC. Maybe I mean we haven't had a drop back passer win the Heisman since Sam Bradford. I mean that's twelve, thirteen years. Wow, Matt Liner, like those. Those are like the only two guys that drop back passers. I mean, the game has gone so much of a spread offense, and he is the traditional, you know, guy you dream of uh, when you're talking about about those guys. And you'd be shocked if everyone stays healthy if Alabama and Clemson weren't playing again next year for the national championship, right? Not shocked, just because the odds seem so stacked against four it. four in a row. But but not not shocked, but yes. They are clearly a notch above everyone else. I don't know what Clemson's. I mean, if if Ohio, if Fields can play, and he gets eligible, even with Tate Martell, Ohio State with Ryan Day could be super explosive. I mean, I know you've watched enough uh, coverage over the last few weeks. The the people going to bat for Ryan Day, there have been a lot of impressive names. I mean, he worked under he he went played college football I think under Chip Kelly and learned under Chip Kelly. And now he's poaching Michigan staff. I know. <laughs> I, I think it's possible that if Ohio State gets the quarterback figured out quickly, if Haskins we think goes pro. Well, he already has. Okay, so if if, if Fields or Martell turn out to be anything, and Martell seems like he's got a similar build to Manziel, I mean, you could be you could be really humming at Ohio State next year, um, but. Yeah, Clemson and Alabama again. I, if they'll be number one and two in the preseason, absolutely. Probably Clemson one, yes, oh, and yeah. Alabama two because mm-hmm. of, of Lawrence. And I don't see a reason why we're not talking about Clemson being on a twenty-nine game winning streak as they as they enter the championship game next year. Wow, That'd be pretty if amazing. They're healthy. Yeah, health is a huge thing. Health and you 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 get. You know, you get content and you're not as hungry, and that's gonna that's gonna be a challenge. Not only so, so you mentioned out getting out coached. Not only did Dabo out coach Saban in that game. How about the credit he deserves for for pulling his starting quarterback early in the season and putting in a true freshman? Yeah, I mean that takes some some guts. Saban did it last year in the championship game, but that takes some guts. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And Kelly Bryant handled it the way that he felt was was best for him, and Dabo never held it against him, and his teammates never held it against him. Heck, he was still living with some of the, the, the football players. So it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting, cohesive dynamic. I, th- I think it's pretty unusual, the, that cohesion in that locker room and within that program among players and staff and support personnel, they've, they've got something special at Clemson. So they've won two out of the last three, which is, I mean, historically pretty unprecedented. In the ACC it is. Yes. But even, I mean, there's not a lot of teams who have won two out of three, period, in the history of college football. And what we, you know, I, I saw that documentary I think HBO did on the, was it the 10 Years War between Ohio State and Michigan, and mm-hmm. I think in the 60s. Yeah. Um, I mean, between we could, Bo and Woody, we could be looking at the same thing now between Clemson and Alabama, except um, they, they they played every, every year right. and they were in they were in the same conference. Well, heck, we may be playing Alabama and Clemson every year anyway, <laughs> outside of the same conference. Um, but so Alabama clearly, because of their history and because of the ridiculous level of winning that Nick Saban has done, is seen is seen as the franchise in college football. And I still think it is. But does Clemson? Can Clemson? What what do you think this puts Clemson 
outside of a regional interest? To, to Do they get to a national interest, or do they just not have the history that Alabama has that makes it hard for them to jump to that? If, if they don't have the national interest, then shame on the national fan base. How could you not be interested in this? Oh, I I mean, certainly we are. Yeah. But, there, but Saban has a certain cachet for sure, and Alabama has the history with Bear Bryant. And Clemson has been, you know, historic. I mean, they won a national title, what, in 80, 81. 81. Mm-hmm. And they've obviously won two of the last three. Yeah. But because for so long, and we, we talked about this last week, Clemsoning, like they just didn't deliver in big moments. Is it going to take some more time for them to fully elevate to the national conscious? I don't think so. Or are so. they there now? I think they're there right now. In part because of your guy, Trevor Lawrence. When you when you have a quarterback that good and that striking and that that big literally and figuratively, I mean he'll he'll be front and center in the Heisman. Yeah, next year. Yeah, he hadn't even filled out. He's still yeah. He's still kind of thin, right? He's like two ten. He could by the time he gets to the NFL, he could be two twenty five, two thirty. Um, yeah, it they're and they're recruiting well. Um. It's it's pretty astonishing. It reminds you of I'm sure of the Florida State teams in the in in the nine team ACC of the level of dominance that they're about to to rise. Do they already have? Yeah. But it's I mean the era of Clemson is is just getting underway. Well, in 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 the era of conference championship games, they've won four straight, and the only other program to win four straight conference championship games is Florida. Wow. One four, under Spurrier. Under Spurrier won four straight SEC championship games. No and, one's ever won five. And nothing – you can't see an end to Clemson's ACC championship reign anytime soon. You wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, things, I know things, injuries things, happen, yeah, coaches th- leave, that kind of thing. Things can turn, but not right now. I, you know, and, and I know the Florida State fan base on Twitter is, is very active. And Oh, so you heard it. Oh yeah, when I when I posted well, that be, column yesterday. Before we get to that, Clemson is as well positioned as any ACC team since those early '90s Florida State teams to be dominant, right? Yes. Okay. So now the conversation about best team in ACC history. Yes. Uh, we you said before the season started. This is why trademark David Teal is a Hall of Famer. You said before the season started that you thought this Clemson team could go down as the best team in ACC history. They're fifteen and zero. They dominated a, 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 a historically powerful program in the national championship game. And they, an historically powerful team. Yes, right. I mean, if Al, let's flip the narrative. If Alabama had beaten Clemson, we'd be talking Best about— Best team ever. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny how— pers- And Clemson boat raced them. It's funny how perspective plays— like what your preconceived notions do to how you perceive these things. I don't know. I don't know that there's much of an argument in terms of uh, best team in ACC history. I don't think. I mean, well, you're talking about the Charlie Ward. No, I mean not even the Charlie Ward team. You're talking about the no, Winky team. The, the Winky. The only candidates would be because the Ward team lost. Right. They lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, on the road. Then the next week, Notre Dame loses at home to BC, and Notre Dame or. Uh, Florida State ascends to number one and ends up winning the national championship in the, in the Orange Bowl. But the only other two teams in the conversation are Florida State 99 with Winky and Warwick, Corey Simon, beat Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl for the national title. And then I think the real contention among Florida State fans would be the 2013 team. With Jameis? With Jameis. No. Yes. I'm sorry, no. And and Devontae Freeman. And you look at the numbers, Florida State's average margin of victory that season was insane. It was over 39 points. They didn't have the close calls during the regular season that Clemson did this year, especially in the ACC. Now, Clemson had one close call in the league, and that was against Syracuse. But Trevor Lawrence got hurt and missed the entire second half. And it half. was his first start. Yeah. And Syracuse was pretty good. Yeah, ex- exactly. And when people ask me about the 99 Florida State team, I say, hey, you know, we're, we're really trying to separate them 
It's hard to do. But that 99 Florida State team won at Clemson 17-14. to That was a Clemson team that went 6-6. Six and six. If you're talking about trying to, when you're splitting these hairs, to me that tosses out 99 Florida State. I think, and, I think 99 Florida State is the best team I've ever seen. Really? Because I think Warwick's the best player in AC, I've ever seen in the ACC, up till Deshaun Watson. Wow. He's, I not, he was, he's not as good as Calvin Johnson, dude. But Calvin Johnson was reliant on – one of the worst quarterbacks I know. to get him the ball. Warwick had a dynamite quarterback, mm-hmm. which made him so dangerous. And, and Warwick was a special team guy. He returned guy. punts and kicks. Yeah. And so Johnson is overpoweringly great. But Warwick is was more special with the ball in his hands. Johnson could go up and get the ball yeah. or outrun or make the ridiculous catches. But if you threw a screen pass to Warwick, he was much more dangerous than Calvin Johnson. Granted. Now also that was my – Youth days, and I remember yeah. it fondly. No, I understood it. No, it's a, right, it's so, a very good point. So 2013, right? T- 2013. They needed a drive at the end of that national championship game to, to win it. To beat Auburn, yeah. And, and that's it, not a historically great Auburn team. No. It's not even it, the best Auburn team in that five-year span. That, that, to me, is what separates this Clemson team, is they went into the postseason. Now, granted, it's opportunity. Florida State in 13 only had to win one game. Who knows what they might have done in a semifinal mm-hmm. against, say, a fourth seed. I, I don't have the polls memorized from the 2013 season. But what Clemson did in back-to-back games in the postseason, Notre Dame was undefeated, had beaten Michigan, had crushed Syracuse, a Syracuse team, by the way, that won ten games, and ended up in the in the final polls in the in the top fifteen somewhere. Crushed Notre Dame, thirty to three, and then like we were talking about, Nick Saban and Alabama are going to be crowned the greatest team ever, and Clemson just dusted them without arguably their second best defensive player. Yes. Um, maybe I guess arguably their best defensive player. I think Christian I think, Wilkins is really. Player. I do. Then maybe their third best because Farrell's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, you know, you're taking a key piece out of the best unit in college football. Correct. Uh, that's 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 tough to overcome. That Florida State team brought back, if I remember correctly, they had some offensive line deficiencies, but they brought back most of that team the next year, and they got destroyed by Oregon. Yeah, but they went undefeated in the regular season. They had, did. A, had a ton of close calls, they did. and then yes, got. Got a house pretty good in the Rose Bowl. So if if this picture isn't clear enough now, if we go through another year next year where this Clemson team – now the Clemson team's going to have to rebuild their defensive line, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ACC is a good place to, to overcome some growing pains. They did it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is the best ACC team I've ever seen. I, and I think they deserve to be in the discussion for best college football team. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to go there yet. But they, based they, on what they did in the national championship game? Oh, it's the most dominant considering the opponent and the score. Right. Like it's not yeah. what like I know Nebraska just destroyed Florida mm-hmm. and USC I think had a pretty dominant championship game win. But doing it to this Alabama team that people had talked about is this the best? I mean, they were beating SEC teams by 30 and 40 points. Is this the best Alabama team? Best cut? Alabama would have, like you said, been in this measure if they would have blown out Clemson as the best team in college football history. Why doesn't Clemson jump into that void? Yeah, no, it's an absolutely fair question. I mean, I, I know they didn't. Excuse me. <clears throat> I know they didn't have the firepower of you know the flashy firepower of the USC offense with Bliner and Reggie Bush, and they didn't have Tommy Frazier, you know in that off that offensive line Nebraska had. But, man, I mean, maybe the most under, underappreciated great team in college football history. They, they were they were awesome from, I mean, the last, last 10 games after the Syracuse game, from October 1st on, they were stunningly good. Stunningly good. Uh, so next year, is there anyone – we've talked about – we we think that Virginia's got a pretty good shot at winning the Coastal. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in, among the contenders. Is there any team in the ACC, given the present configuration, that's going to pose much of a threat to Clemson? Next season or next, big next picture? Season. Next season, I think Syracuse is, is – I know Dungy's gone, uh, but the backup 
played well this season, and they've got some some folks coming back. To me, that would be the team. Do you know Babers? If he has another year like this next year, he's going to elevate himself to a whole other echelon of, of coaching, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, you know, Paul Pascaloni was at Syracuse for quite a while, right? Mm-hmm. And never left, right? He, he ended up getting fired there, yes, right? Yes, he did. Um, so it's been uh, Doug Marone. Was Doug Marone wasn't the head Was he the head coach? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he parlayed that into, what, the Bills job? Yes. Um, no, Jacksonville first. Right? No, he was in Buffalo. Buffalo and then, and then did that contract thing where he yes, opted out. That's right. And then he didn't coach for a year. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting to see if Babers gets a bigger look. Uh, and, you know, if anyone can really put a put a scare into Clemson next year. I mean, I think they'll probably play a close game or so in the ACC, but uh, they're as big a favorite, I would get. They'll be a unanimous number one pick. Yeah. They, were they, they this they, year? They'll have to go to the Carrier Dome yeah. to, to play Syracuse. Um. Where they lost two years ago. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, Syracuse has been there kind of flying the ointment. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about football, uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday, last Wednesday, uh, about eight days ago, uh, George Welsh, the longtime UVA coach, uh, passed away. Uh, you just you just talked to him for a story we wrote uh, around Thanksgiving about the history of the Virginia, Virginia Texas series. Can you put into context his his legacy at Virginia? He went 14 consecutive seasons, the last 14 of his 19-year career, without a losing record. And 13 of those in a row were winning records with at least seven, seven victories at Virginia with no resources, no facilities, no stadium, they didn't expand the stadium until his last year in 2000. He was working out of a trailer for a lot of his career. Never had a swank office. And he had a terrific staff, and they went out and recruited, and they developed, and they coached. And he, to me, he and Frank Beamer are the most important figures in the history of Virginia college football, and it's not close. And what George Welsh did at Virginia forced Virginia Tech to improve and get better. And you're right, I talked to him in October for that story we were working on of, on the 100th game between the Hokies and the Cavaliers, and he sounded great. He was sharp. And his his recall, Jonathan, was amazing. He, we were talking about the 99 Virginia Tech-Virginia game, which was in midseason at Scott Stadium, and we were talking about Vic. And then he got into how good Virginia Tech was defensively. And he, and he remembered Corey Moore, and he said, you know, Right before they played us, they played Clemson and had a bunch of sacks. And, I, and I'm looking at the, at the sequencing of games, and damn if he wasn't right. <laughs> and then he says, and then they had that walk-on who was a defensive tackle who ended up in the NFL for all those years. Well, yes, they did, John Engelberger. And I was just – the man was 85 years old, and he's rattling this stuff off. And I got off the phone because I was in the press box at a Virginia Tech game and doing the phoner with George several hours before kickoff. And I was just like, whoa. And so I was I was really blindsided when UVA sent out the word that coach had passed away. He was he was truly unique. He was he was gruff. He was humble. He never wanted to be in the spotlight. The Navy guy. Yes. No, he was a lieutenant in the Navy. Finished third in the Heisman Trophy. I think it was 53 was his senior year at the academy uh, from from Pennsylvania coal country, Coaldale, PA, and just humble roots, humble man. Perhaps that nature is a reason why he hasn't been thought of higher maybe nationally i mean i know he's in the college football hall of fame yeah but beamer got them to a a national title game and had a long run of success i mean we're talking about 26 straight bowls uh but but his direct analog is welsh at virginia i mean they are the 
perfect figurehead for those programs. They're the two most important people in each of their programs' history. Absolutely, and they had some great battles, and there was mutual respect between the two. They weren't friends by any stretch. Frank loves to play golf. George didn't play golf, at least not that I know of. And uh, but they they really admired the way the other ran the ran his program. What year did Welsh come to uh, Virginia? His first year was 1982. And what year did you start covering them? 84, their first bowl game. So what was the sense then in the early years about what they had in him? Do well, you remember? If they, if they, were and, they and pretty – would that, they that, feel that, like that they had it? Yeah, well, that 84 team, you know, they go to Morgantown the first weekend in November, and West Virginia is number 12 in the country, and Virginia just crushed them. Dominate him, especially on the ground. I believe the final score was twenty-four to seven. And a fullback named Antonio Rice who ran for like a buck fifty that day, and that pretty much clinched a bowl bid for him. And I remember that afternoon in the press box thinking, "Wow, they really do have something special." And then they went on to the Peach Bowl on New Year's Eve and beat Jim Everett and Purdue. I when I was a kid. Not to make you feel a little older, um, but when I was a kid in oh, 19- I feel old every day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> in 1990, that that was probably the first year I can remember really paying attention to college football because George. I lived in Atlanta, and Georgia Tech was really, really good. Yep. And that team, that Virginia team, which I think was ranked number one in the country that year, they were, which is the only team in state history to be ranked number one in the country at some point in the season, right? It's also correct. Uh, with Sean Moore and Herman Moore, Terry Kirby, Terry Nikki Kirby. Fisher. Was Chris Slade on that team? Oh yeah. Um, so like they were, I mean that was a, they were a national story, mm-hmm. and so George Welsh to me because of my childhood is always indelibly linked um, to Virginia and and that team that 1990 team I, I'm guessing 1999's Virginia Tech team which played for the national title I mean is, does that 90 team at Virginia in the state's history, does that hold a special spot, do you think, still? Yeah, I, I think it's more of a what-if team Yeah, because Sean Moore got hurt against Maryland and, and they ended up losing like four of their last five. It's not the best Welsh team. The 89 team that won the Cavaliers' first ACC championship and won 10 games. It's the only 10-win season in UVA history. Their most recent ACC championship? No. Because then they won it in 95 when they beat Florida State. That's right, with Tiki Barber and yeah. Donnie Barber. Okay. And, and and shared it, but they beat they won the head-to-head. Stopped work done on that Thursday night. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that 90 team, because they had been ranked number one. Georgia Tech beat them on a Sisson field goal, right? 41-38 at Scott's game. Epic game. Great game. Yeah, which was the first of, I think, two field goals to beat Virginia teams that year from Scott Sisson. Beat Virginia Tech, like, 6-3? to three. Next week. Um so, yeah, that that team, even though, like, I didn't even – it's one of those things in history. I didn't even realize they slumped at the end because they were number one and they had mm-hmm. the Moors, and they, yeah. were such a, they were such a big story. Yeah, because they subsequently lost to Maryland and Virginia Tech in the regular season finale and then lost to Tennessee in the Sugar Bowl. Man, if there was ever a year to go after a national title, that year was wide open. Yeah, because – George Tech and Colorado, right? Yeah, split it. Georgia Tech was UPI and Colorado was AP. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, I think caught everybody by surprise last week when that when that news came out. Yeah, it really did. And and to talk to his former players and assistant coaches and administrators, guys like Terry Kirby and Chris Slade and Ahmad Hawkins, and just the the love and the reverence that they had for that man, it was it was so evident, and they were. They were caught off guard as well. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Hall of Fame. A local note, uh, yeah. the College Football Hall of Fame announced their class and, and Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor, the former Hampton University coach. And much like George Welsh, Jonathan, I, th- I think one of the interesting measures of a coach is what happens after he leaves a program. Joe Taylor won spectacularly at HU and made them nationally relevant in Division I AA. The Pirates have been irrelevant since. 
And then you look at Virginia since George Welsh, and they've never been able to, to win consistently. Now, Bronco Mendenhall is trending that way, but he's only had one winning season. We'll see. And, and others had trended that way, too. Yeah, Al Grove did. Right. Yeah, absolutely he did. But to, that, to me, speaks volumes about how good they were. I think another measure of it is when that jog came open last year, people were wondering if he would be interested in coming back. At age 70, I think he's 70 now. Yeah. it's a. I mean, that's banner class, too. There's a lot of big names in, in going into that class. So that'll be pretty cool, I'm guessing, for him. Yeah. And Jimmy Laycock soon to follow. And he's the uh, AD now at Virginia Union. Is that right? I think. I believe that's correct, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that – that uh, kind of puts a bow on on college football talk for now. Let's jump over to the hardwood. Sure. Um, all right. Let me think about how to progress through this because there's so much action. There's games tonight. This may, Wednesday. This may not even post, and there we'll we'll have more results. It's a lot harder to keep up with things now, man. It is. Than what's than what's happening. It is. Yeah, because we have Tech and UVA playing tonight. But you did a good job early in the episode of foreshadowing you saying that the Virginia's first loss would be against Florida State, and oh. uh, that was not a close game. No, uh, it was it was funny because I was at I was at Virginia Tech's game. Norm and I had to split up with both the Hokies and Cavaliers playing at home on Saturday, so Norm went to to UVA and I went to Tech's game against BC, and the the Tech game started at noon. And the, the UVA game at three. So as I'm finishing up my story from Blacksburg, I take a peek at the scoreboard online. I was like, ooh, there's a pick gone awry. That game got closer, too, than it was. Oh. It was not even nearly 13 I th- points. I think Florida State closed on like a 14 or 15 nothing run against the walk-ons or whatever. no. They were up by, I think, as many as 30. Yeah, that's what I saw. I just I just pulled it up to look at the stats, and I saw the final score, and I'm like, that ain't right. Because when I saw the score going across the crawl, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Florida State could not score. Nobody with more than 10 points for Florida State. No. And Kyle Guy went nuts in the first half, and Braxton Key had a breakout game for UVA <clears throat> offensively. And, you know, to pitch it forward – you know, next Tuesday night in Charlottesville, we've got the first of two regular season meetings between the Hokies and Cavaliers. Never before have both teams been ranked in the top 15 when they met. And good chance they'll both be in the top 10. It'll be arguably the biggest regular season game in the history of the Commonwealth. It's going to well, be really cool. And... Eight o'clock tip off. Oh, of course. But given what happened at JPJ between the teams oh, last yeah. year, where the Hokies handed the Cavaliers their only ACC loss in overtime, the the joint is going to be off the hinges. It's going to be so loud in there. It's going to be great stuff. Well, so Georgia Tech is tonight for Virginia Tech Wednesday, um, yeah. and the the Hokies should win that game down in Atlanta. You would think. Georgia Tech's been really inconsistent this season. Yeah, you uh, lose to Gardner-Webb one night and beat Arkansas right. a couple nights later. Uh, Virginia's up in Boston, right? Yes. And Boston College, uh, Virginia Tech just handled Boston College. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's a road game in the ACC, and you never know. Um, but after – so the next week, got Virginia Tech-Virginia. Over the next F- – Followed by – you think UVA has a big week next week? They host the Hokies. And then on Saturday, go to Durham. Virginia. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, Virginia Tech has North Carolina. They play Wake, and then they have North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech has some room. Uh, I mean, they have two big ones in the next five or so. But there's other games in there where they could – if they beat Virginia, they could really build some momentum. Oh, if they beat Virginia. Right, right. and I know big. that's a tough task. And then they got to go to Chapel Hill, and then they got to go to Raleigh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that so they have Syracuse and Miami after Chapel Hill before mm-hmm. Raleigh, and man Keats has done a pretty good job this year at NC State, right? Yeah, they they, they lost last night. 
tough home game to Carolina, but Roy has owned NC State in his career. I think he's like they showed the graphic last night, twenty nine and four, maybe against it. I mean, it's it's insane. It's it's his, it's his second highest winning percentage against any ACC team. Are you surprised at at where Virginia Tech is at this point? I know we thought they were a top fifteen team. Have they played better than you th- expected? Given no Chris Clark and no Landers Nolly, and there's some news since we last podcasted is that Buzz Williams confirms neither will play this season. Wow. And I'm convinced that Chris Clark will never play for Virginia Tech again. I think the disciplinary matter is such that um, he'll be gone. And Nolly is, is practicing He's on scholarship. He is academically eligible at Virginia Tech, but he is not NCAA eligible. Something about standardized tests that has yet to be certified. And they're, they're hoping he'll obviously play next season. Well, they had four guys the other night play 30-plus minutes. Yeah. In a game that they were pretty much in control of. Yeah, Blackshear played 26. And they only went three deep on the bench. Um, now, you had mentioned that night that um, Beatty oh, he was great had def- a great great defensive night. Yeah, really, and, really locked down Kai Bowman. And they'll need need that from him mm-hmm. to take pressure off the other guys defensively, right? Because like, they're defending so much better than they have previously. And... Several of the coaches on yesterday's weekly ACC call remarked that as good as Virginia Tech is offensively, which you expect and which has been their M.O. under Buzz, that they're really impressed by this season's defense. Uh, Also Saturday, we we talked about a couple of the games on Saturday. Clemson thought maybe maybe they could pose a little bit of a threat to Duke, and Duke rolled them and – Especially in the second half. Brad Brownell was really distressed with how his team played at Cameron in the second half. Well, I saw the, the oop or, or the 360 that, oh, that yeah. Zion Williamson hit, and his a whole arm was above the rim. That kid is something special. I mean, not only from a, a, a athleticism and scoring potential. He made some threes. He's a pretty good passer, and he's so physical. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy in college basketball – with right. that physicality that and that athleticism. And I get it, and he has been better than advertised, which is hard to imagine because he was advertised so highly. But we thought he'd be a dunker. But here's the guy who makes that engine run. Trey Jones. Yeah. Point guard, freshman, Tyus's little brother, I asked Mike Krzyzewski yesterday, did you anticipate that he would be this good on the ball defensively so early? And he said, I'd have been crazy to think that he'd be this good this soon. I mean, Krzyzewski's already comparing him to Duhan and Amaker and Wojo. Yeah. As elite defenders. And those dudes all stay four years. Yeah. And Jones is probably best case, too, right? Yeah. No, he's, he is stunningly good on the ball. And, oh, by the way, his assist-to-turnover ratio is preposterous. He's had four games this year of at least seven assists where he's had no turnovers. Who does that? There's a lot of, of those. We, I mean, you have him playing defense at that level, the assist-to-turnover ratio. Zion Williamson is, is about the most efficient mm-hmm. offensive player. You've, I mean, he's shooting probably like 60 or 70% most nights. And then, oh, by the way, we have the number one recruit in the country who's now kind of flying under the radar in R.G. Barrett. Yeah. And Reddish has been kind of lost, right? Like, he hasn't played great. No, he struggled. He had a big three last night against Wake Forest there at the end of the first half that I think kind of they're hoping will help his confidence some. But, yes, he has struggled. And then they've they've gotten play from their upperclassmen. Jack White 
has has become a force on both ends, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. And Marquise Bolden has given him some minutes, and Delarier has, and and that's what I was convinced would hold this team back. If the upperclassmen couldn't contribute some, then it was just going to be another collection of freshmen who not underachieved is too harsh, but just weren't going to be able to get to the finish line because, hello, they're freshmen. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I still, I think they're the favorites. I think they're. A, a oh, big, I think I'm, I'm, a big I'm sure Vegas agrees with you. I haven't looked yeah. recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still some some lumps they're going to take based on what I've seen. But it's so hard with a score like Williamson. I mean, it's it's like a college version of LeBron, except LeBron. It's like the Heat LeBron teams because if he didn't have never had a secondary scorer alongside him in most of his stops until he got to the Heat and he had Dwayne Wade and Barrett is that and Bosh and Ray Allen right and Barrett gives you you can't focus on that monster who's playing that tight end NFL tight end who's playing for you uh, because R.J. Barrett's there it, and they have guys they have a point guard who can get the ball to a bunch of different people. Um, they're, they're super dangerous. Watching UVA try to defend that it's crew gonna be fun, is going to be fascinating. Yeah. And, and and they play twice this year Yeah, just by the luck of the rotation. You look like Christmas morning when you said that. Like, like you're just tickled. Yeah, really tickled. Um, uh, has Syracuse surprised you? I mean, we thought they'd be really – Based on what they did in the tournament last year, and they got guys back, have they surprised you a little bit? That they've struggled negatively, yeah. Yeah, I think they've probably been the most disappointed. But they, but they're playing better in conference play. Well, they beat a terrible Notre Dame team. Yeah, is this job in jeopardy, Bray? No. Oh gracious, no. Okay. I don't think anyone has more jobs. They love him at Notre Dame, oh, well, and 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 his team is so depleted. They are, they he, are. But this is going to be the second straight year that they've, they've they they missed the tournament. They've yeah. underachieved, and and I know last year Bonzi Colson was hurt, and that, that and killed and him. Matt Farrell, right? That that killed, and him. they were the last team off the board. And and in my opinion, Sunday. they should have been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, Syracuse, yeah. Asked Jim Beheim yesterday. He's very pleased with the way Elijah Hughes, his his transfer, has you know he had to sit out last season, but he's coming on. I think the biggest disappointment for them would be Frank Howard, who's a senior, who you would think coming off a really good junior year would elevate, and he just hasn't yet. Now he he did play well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in their win at Notre Dame, but. Uh, yeah, they've they, they've still got some more to do. I mean, to me, you you look at the league, best case scenario, if everything breaks right for, say, Syracuse and Clemson and Louisville, then they the league could get nine bids. But the bottom with Georgia Tech, Miami, Notre Dame, Wake. Pitt, and I'm missing one, uh, BC. Yeah. None of those six is going to the NCAA no. tournament. Uh, Miami surprising too? Well, not not without Hernandez because, you know, he he's done for the year and has not played at all because of the FBI investigation. But Laranega's done a really good job of, of dealing with – I mean, last year they lost their, their top player to injury. Like they've navigated some stormy waters at times. Yeah, but he, he he's down to seven scholarship players. Yeah, that hurts. It's just again. I was I was talking to him yesterday on the ACC call, and he's like, "My backup point guard is a walk on." He said he's a real. He said he's a really nice kid, <laughs> but that usually doesn't that, work that, very well in the ACC. That's untenable in the ACC. Yeah. Um, and then Pitt. I mean, I know they're gonna they're about to take some lumps going oh. into league play, but from as enough- they did against the Tar Heels in their opener. But the Tar Heels are a really good team. Yes, um, I, I still thought they they had a pretty good showing in non conference. Absolutely, and I think Jeff Capel w- would agree. He's the the, the guys, the, the freshmen, McGowan's and Johnson. I think they're really pleased with them. I think they went. They're eight and two at at the Oakland Zoo. 
So that's a nice reversal from from last year, where no one could you couldn't you couldn't give away tickets in the ACC season last year. Yeah. Up in up I mean, they've 10. already won more games than they did last year. Right, ten. I think they're at ten now. Yeah, I mean, the bar was low. <laughs> right, it was extremely low. You wouldn't want a limbo. No, no, sorry. You'd, you'd break, I, you'd break I w- something. I wouldn't want a limbo anywhere. <laughs> what uh, what what do you think? Is there a team that's been pleasantly surprising enough that they're like Pitt's been surprising, but they're not a tournament team? Is there a team that's jumped into the tournament mix in the ACC that's surprising? Louisville, because uh, of of all the issues they had, yeah, last year and a, and a, co- a pretty good coach. They really did, yeah. And Jordan Nora is, to me, hands down the most improved player in the league, just in numbers. It's not like I've watched a ton of Louisville games, but I did see a good bit of their Miami contest the other day. And that's a guy who averaged about five, six points a game, and he's going for 18 a night now. And apparently he's really changed his body. He's like a six, seven wing, and he's been really good for them. Both of us scratched our head when Chris Mack went there. Like, it was a great hire for Louisville, but we questioned why you would go into that with the NCAA stuff hanging over its head, mm-hmm. the eight uh, athletic director stuff going on there. Yeah. It was a mess. And Xavier is a, a, is a very good program. I mean, I know they're not in a major college division or conference, but they're a great program. They're really good. Yeah. I mean, were they a. Were they a number one or a number two seed last year? They may have been a number one seed. I don't think they were a one seed. I think they were a two. Okay. They were they were out west and got beat by Florida State, if memory serves. But, yeah, I mean, they've it's been a historical – I mean, over the last 20 years or so, you skip Prosser. And, I mean, they've, they've been a good program. Oh, heck, going back to Pete Gillen. You're right, yep. They've been a really good program. So, to leave there, to go to what we thought was a mess, and still probably is a mess. And And – it is a mess from from the standpoint of attendance. I read a story the other day where Louisville attendance is at like decades low levels. Well, that'll change when they win, and that they got a good coach. Yes. There's no doubt about that. No, no question. His, his pedigree is pretty much unassailable. Um, what about NC State? Has NC State surprised you a little? I kind of thought they had a chance to be good. He, I mean, Kevin Keats is. That guy wins. He absolutely wins. He did it at UNC Wilmington. He did it last year at State. He's got a lot of players now, a lot of transfers. But there's a lot of talent on that squad. But you use Mark- transfers to build some infrastructure, right? Yeah. Torn Dorn's playing great. Markel Johnson's playing really well. He, he didn't have one of his better games uh, last night. But then Beverly went nuts. He made a whole bunch of threes in the first half. I think he finished with 23 points or so. But uh, State's going to beat some people. Both I thought the they were going to win and, last night going into the game. Did you? Yeah. I just, knowing how Carolina is, I, I thought they'd win. But that's that's a tight game throughout the mm-hmm. second half, really. Big runs going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then Tar Heels pull away late. But – you know, the Hokies and Cavaliers have to go to Raleigh this year. I, those are going to be good games. I'm really interested Tar to Hills get are, there. I don't know if sneaky is the right word, but they're sneaky dangerous. Like, you know, Duke is getting all the attention and sucking up the oxygen. Virginia's in the top five. Tech's in the top ten. But Carolina, because they had some stumbles early in the season, and maybe have kind of gone by the wayside from a national perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think they're the most – dangerous team to Duke outside of Virginia in the conference. Carolina could win the national championship. I don't know about that. Oh, I do. Absolutely. I know you like their balance inside-outside. Yes. and the inside-outside and, and youth. Versus and, veterans. And experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love the balance on that team. Really do. I mean, Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams and Luke May, and then you throw in Little and – uh, White, the the freshman. And well, if Little really starts to yeah. grow up, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I just mean no. co- coming to his powers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then then they're super dangerous. Kobe White is a jet. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds you of watching Ray Felton, right? In terms of speed, or or Ty Lawson uh, getting up and down the court. John Wall. Yeah, I think Felton. Until well, John Wall's the fastest I've ever seen. I thought Felton was about as fast as I've ever seen getting up and down the court. Um, 
But yeah, the, if if little little's still considered like a top four pick going yeah. into the draft next year, probably. Um, if he can start to turn it on, then yeah, I think maybe that that's what could elevate them. I think he's the most important piece to a national championship run because you know what you're gonna get out of Luke May. Yeah, and Cam Johnson. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, anything else in the world of college basketball that I'm missing? No, not that I know of. Man, we're gonna get these podcasts are gonna get shorter now that we only have basketball to talk about. Oh, there'll be football stuff. Don't worry. Uh, well, well, we could chat about the NFL a little bit. Um, Interesting first weekend of the playoffs. It was what the road teams went three and one. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be fascinating going forward is how Baltimore deals with Lamar Jackson because he's clearly deficient as a passer. Yeah. Um, Tried to rally him late. He did, and I thought it was ridiculous that fans were chanting for Flacco. Flacco. Like, right. as if they haven't watched Joe Flacco play quarterback the last four years. Mm-hmm. And if they forgot what, what Lamar Jackson did over the last six weeks. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they use him going forward because he's, he's going to have to grow up a lot as a passer. Because he's going to die running the football like that. Yeah, can't happen. Not with those boys in that in that league. Um, what else stood out? Uh, the Bears – Oh, double I, doink! Had to be the most cruel ending you, you've ever seen, and it was funny. We're watching the game and watching the kick, and when it hit the left upright, you know it it deflected. I thought it. I thought it was in. Yes, because it deflected. Yeah. In it, it yeah. deflected to the right. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, that's going through, yeah. and then you couldn't. The camera wasn't quick enough, or the director wasn't quick enough yeah. to change to another shot. So you, in real time, you didn't see it hit the crossbar. Yeah. And and based on where the ball, like what side of the ball hit the crossbar, it could have gone in. I mean, it could have bounced the other way, right? Yeah. And that was. I can't. He hit the cross. He's hit the bar five times this season. No, I thought it was more than that. Oh no, I think you're right because NBC ended up doing <laughs> the montage. The montage. His, his doinks. And, and I felt badly for the people covering the game because apparently like an hour after the game, somebody alert somewhere, I don't know if it was on Twitter or a fan or somebody noticed, that kick was deflected yeah. at the line no, they, of scrimmage. They got to that on the replays eventually. Oh, did they? Yeah. Because I was unaware until the next yeah. day. They, it zoomed in and you could see it, it clip a guy's hand. But it still looked like it got – I mean, it obviously had the distance. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he still – I don't know how much – but but when you're talking about a bar, I mean, maybe a little hand deflection does change the course of it. Absolutely. Um, I will tell you this, and I heard the stat. Over the last few weeks, the Philadelphia Eagles have played Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and maybe one other elite pass rusher, and they haven't allowed a sack. sack. So while all the attention's on Nick Foles – that offensive line won them a, a Super Bowl last year, and yeah. they look to be just as dangerous. Hey, keep your quarterback clean. And that's, by the way, an unappreciated part of Clemson's domination the other night. How many sacks a game was Alabama averaging? Four and a half? Yeah. How many times did Trevor Lawrence get sacked? Well, Quentin Williams was unblockable at times for Alabama this year. No sacks. Yeah, I, I no, I saw, I know, and what he was doing against Oklahoma Williams up the middle, putting. Pre- I mean, everybody will tell you if you're a quarterback, the worst thing that can happen is pressure up the middle, right? It completely changes all of your. Can't step up in the pocket. Yeah. Um. You, there's a sense of, of of a collapse happening. Um. I mean, if you've looked at Tom Brady's losses in his career, it's most likely a team's put pressure up the middle, and Quinn Williams does that, and they didn't do that the other night. No, Clemson was awesome in all respects. Um, how about Deshaun Watson? Did you get to see any of that game? No. The, the Texans-Colts game? No, I was listening to it on the radio. I was traveling. He struggled, too. Big um, time. But I, I still think, you know, eventually – the Colts ran the ball down the Texans' throat, which shouldn't be happening with a defensive line that has J.J. Watt, Javadavion Clowney. Yeah, uh, but the Colts are dangerous too, man. That's a hard game for the Chiefs. But Andy Reid's had a tough time at home in the playoffs. Chiefs have last lost their last six home playoff games. That's incredible. Um, and the Colts run the ball, and the Chiefs' offense is predicated on speed. Yeah. And if it's cold, that's gonna sl- it could slow things down. 
Oh, and you're talking about one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the NFL going up against a guy who's never played in the playoffs before. I still like Kansas City, but not, every team left in the playoffs, I think, has a, G, a decent chance to win the Super Bowl. The Colts would be the biggest surprise, but they've been playing great. They have been. I, I just want to see somebody new. I, I do not have a dog in this hunt. Yeah. But spare me Brady, Belichick, and the Patriots. I'm really not interested in Breeze and the Saints. Or even really The Eagles again. The Eagles again. The 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 Patriots are the only pe- like team left that's really a regular. I mean the Saints yeah. have been good for a long time, but they've only been to one Super Bowl. And the Eagles just went last year. Mm-hmm. But you know, you could argue that the Saints are new and fresh and, and same with the Eagles. They're still in the early stages of what they are. But yeah, I mean, you the Rams, Chiefs, or or the Chargers. I mean, Philip yeah, Rivers Phillip has Rivers? played forever and hasn't yeah. had this chance. Luck hasn't been to a Super Bowl. Nope. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for a very interesting. And now I, I can tell you right now that that uh, CBS doesn't want to see a Colts Rams uh, Super Bowl. Well, they they'd be all right with LA, think, I think. But do you think people there care? Maybe not. Like. If the Chargers won a Super Bowl, oh, if the Chargers, where would they? Would they? Just, they should have that parade in San Diego. Yeah. Like, well, who would care? Yeah. They, 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 they play in a twenty-six thousand seat soccer stadium. They'd have a bigger parade in Raleigh for that for the Chargers because of Philip and, and Alabama. Yeah. Wherever he's from in Alabama, I mean, uh, ODU Stadium may seat as much as as the the current Chargers Stadium. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep talking about the NFL because because it's all the football we have left. <laughs> uh, were there any declarations, NFL draft declarations, off your top? I'm putting you on the spot here that were surprising that you saw or no? Because I always we're assume, not, I we're always not assume everybody's going. <laughs> and, until informed otherwise, I just presume everybody's gone. And I don't think we're still. I don't think we're at the at the edge yet. Has the deadline come and gone? No. Um, Haskins is an interesting one because he's going to be the top quarterback taken. Yep. Because Her- Herbert went back to uh, to Oregon. Yes, he did. Um, well, we'll have plenty of talk about that. The transfers will get a going. Sure. We'll have uh, we'll have uh, si- second signing day coming up, and then spring football. And yeah, don't worry. Well, we got the ACC to keep us tied. Uh, ACC basketball season to keep us tied. It's going to be pretty good. Uh, one last thing. Sure. ODU basketball. They had a big week last week. Uh, they had Marshall and Western Kentucky. I saw they lost to Marshall. They did. Uh, Western Kentucky. Down 21 nothing, and came back and won. So what do you take from that? That's a hell of a bounce back. That's what I take from that. I know they're disappointed that they lost a home game to open the league schedule. And now they gotta, now they got to make hay. Go to Florida this weekend, beat Florida International, beat Florida Atlantic, and you're you're back on track. But that's that's an amazing comeback. It's not. I know it was interesting. Old Dominion was saying this is the greatest comeback in school history. Sort of, because I was at the greatest comeback in school history. Because they're down twenty-one nothing to Western Kentucky at the beginning of the game. I was in the Hampton Coliseum at the 1985 Sun Belt Conference <laughs> semifinals where they trailed UAB by 19 with less than 10 minutes to go and won the game. That's the greatest comeback. Uh, who would have guessed once we got past uh, NFL talk we'd go to 80s Sun Belt <laughs> Conference tournament conversation, and then they lost the title game to JD Barnett and VCU. Huh? Uh, a yeah. really good VCU team, by the way. But if you're, uh, you would have to imagine there hasn't been many teams in history to start a game down twenty-one and come back and win. I mean, how yeah. many times do you ever even see a team fall behind yeah. twenty-one nothing? Yeah, to go scoreless that long. Yeah. Oh man, I must have, must have been something else in that in that gym on on Saturday. Yeah. Once they got, I mean. They got the lead with like eight nine minutes to go, you know. It wasn't like this. That's a heck of a turnaround. Dr- dramatic man. ending. No. Well, there another one we'll keep an eye on because we'll have to explain about a hundred times how uh, conference USA. Oh my gosh! Don't last five games works yeah, as, we, gonna, as we go in the coming months. That's going to make your eyes bleed. All right, that's it for me. I got nothing for you. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Sounds great. Thanks, everybody. 